But uh, Acts 2 verse 40 says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And, and, and then in verse 42 and 43 we find out some of the components of that first century church. It said, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' Doctrine, that's teaching, and fellowship, that's obvious fellowship, and the breaking of the bread and prayers, that really has to do with worship. You see that in verse 43, then fear came upon every soul. So those are three components. You have teaching, fellowship, you have worship, and then the last we always find, if, if we are indeed doing the first three, verse 47, and the Lord added to the church daily as those who were being saved. There will be people added to the church, the church universal, the church local. But we just want to step back today and just look at that one word, fellowship, that's found in verse 42. They, said, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. What does it mean to have fellowship? What does it mean that a church has fellowship, that individuals have fellowship? Again, it was, it's, uh, I would say it's a birthmark of the church. In other words, it's, a, it's a, a mark that should always be in a true New Testament church, this idea of fellowship. Now, what does the word fellowship suggest to you? Well, it might be a cup of coffee in, in the new church hall. <laughs> it might be a conversation in the foyer after service. Fellowship to you might be if you're a teen playing four square in the, in the, in the youth group room. It might be coming down for a dish to share or going to tonight's uh, dish to share. It might be to you participating in a Christian retreat. You know, women have retreats, men have retreats. I know some of you are going to the Holy Land, uh, I think this this coming uh, fall or next uh, spring, but maybe that's what you call fellowship, taking a group trip somewhere. I know we're going to be going down down to the sight and sound, a number of us, in uh, October. Maybe that's fellowship. Again, we often say that we have had fellowship when all we really are talking about is taking part in some Christian social activity. See, sometimes we mix those up, um, thinking that just because we did a social activity, well, we had fellowship. Uh, The fact that we share social activity with other Christians does not in and of itself show that we have had fellowship with them. By the way, this is not to say that there's not a place for activities. I, I'm actually part of the fellowship committee, and, and I, I'm really glad that we have a fellowship committee and organizing different things uh, as far as uh, that the church can do as activities, and I think that's great. But it is to say this, that it isn't necessarily, just because we go to an activity, that we're actually having fellowship. See, activity and fellowship can be two different things. They're two different things. Many times you find fellowship when we do activities together, but sometimes we just do activities and we really don't go beyond that. So again, we need to find out what true fellowship is. By the way, I have preached on this. I have thought I knew exactly what it meant. And the Lord has really hit me this last week how much I need you. I've been in the ministry a number of years, but it really hit me this whole concept of fellowship. See, this is the point. We might be, as one man said, dangerously self-deceived. 
Because we may be fooling ourselves and thinking that we are thriving on fellowship when in fact our very souls may be starving for lack of it. It's kind of like a person that eats garbage when I eat meat. A lot of sugar, a lot of white flour, a lot of stuff that's really not that good for the body, but they just keep eating it day after day and they think they're having good meals when in reality they're probably starving themselves. You know, because there are a lot of empty calories. No, I'm not here to tell you how to eat. But the point is this, we may be thinking we have true fellowship when in reality it's not and really our, our spiritual souls are starving. That's what's been hitting me this week. It's been putting some pieces in my life together. Not that I haven't had fellowship, but I'm starting to realize how important it really is. Oh, that's why I'm so blessed when I do that. That's when I feel like, oh, I'm, I, I'm like riding on a mountain after I get done with that particular activity. Because fellowship has really happened in my life or in the other people's lives. Again, we would say that it's not a good sign when a person lacks the discernment and seeing that there is no health difference between having brownies and ice cream and a plate of, you know, veggies and fruit. We would say they don't have very good discernment as far as physical health. But again, sometimes I think when it comes to fellowship, we don't have the discernment to recognize the differences between just social activity and true, biblical, authentic fellowship. Because when they say, or when Luke writes in Acts 2, that they had steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, he's talking about authentic fellowship right there. Now again, this is vital. In fact, one man said it this way, fellowship is something that is vital to the Christian spiritual health and central to the church's true life. It is just there. It's... It's one of those least common denominators. You have to have it. And if the church is going to flourish, and if Christians are going to flourish, then we've got to have strong biblical fellowship. And it can only happen in the sense of true biblical fellowship. You're going to see in a moment. I mean, if we don't have this, if it's a substitute, then again, we're going to be starving ourselves. I found the New English Bible translation of that word fellowship. That's how, this is how they translate it. It says they met constantly to hear the apostles' teaching and to share the common life. I like that. To share the common life. Christians in the first century got together to share the common life. We need to share our common life with each other. God has made it in such a way that if we don't, we're going to be robbing others, we'll be robbing ourselves. And again, because of this, because, you know, because just how the word has been kicked around, fellowship, it's, it's I think, misunderstood. It's, it's uh, whereas one person said, it's grievously been cheapened. <laughs> we don't want to cheapen this concept. We want to make sure that we are indeed um, doing exactly what God wants. Because again, fellowship to the spiritual body, as, is, as, is, as it were, a workout and having a good meal for the physical. We've got to exercise our spiritual muscles. And we gain through, strength through it. And if we don't have true biblical fellowship, we lose strength. So let's, let's look at what it means. You know, I'm just going to give you four simple things today. The first is the meaning of authentic fellowship. What is the meaning of authentic fellowship? Now again, the word is koinonia. And probably you've heard a lot about it. It's a, it's a rich word. It's one of those deep words. It's, uh, you know, it's got a lot of um, shades to it, as it were. We really want to grab a hold of it. 
In fact, one guy said this. It's, a, it's one of the great words of the New Testament. If you don't understand this, it's like you, we kind of miss it. It's easy to miss, by the way. And it's so important that you see it in Christian realms, like you have the Koinonia Fellowship. I guess that's a church up north. Any of you ever been to Koinonia Fellowship? So a church has been named after that concept, Koinonia. There's a website called Koinonia House. There's a music group called Koinonia. In fact, there are colleges and seminaries, you know, named after Koinonia. Koinonia. Everyone wants to be in Koinonia. <laughs> they want to have, they, they want to be known for this rich, deep fellowship that God expects among believers. So they named their organization after it. By the way, this word koinonia is, is translated different ways. It can be, uh, sometimes it's translated participation or partnership. Uh, sometimes the word is used, uh, is translated communion. We're going to have communion. Actually, what this is, is koinonia. It's communion in the sense that we are saying that we are walking in the light with Jesus Christ. And that because we're walking in the light, those who participate are also walking in the light. And we have communion with him and communion with each other. That's what we're doing. So that word koinonia sometimes is translated communion. Um, sometimes it's, it's uh, in Romans 15, it's, it's the contribution to the saints. Or in Hebrews it says, actually the, the, the essence of it is this, to share. So like if you forget anything else, just think this. Koinonia, fellowship, is to share. Hebrews talks about to share. Philippians 6, or Philemon 6, sharing of your faith. That's the essence of Christian fellowship. The essence is to share. I am participating. I'm in partner with you. I'm communing with you. I'm contributing to you. You're contributing to me. But all those concepts have that same idea as to share. I'm sharing something. I like what Chuck Swindoll's, his definition of fellowship is this. The expressions of genuine Christianity freely shared among the members of God's family. And I think I left that in the outline, but it's worth. Expressions of genuine Christianity. It's how we express genuine Christianity. Myself with you, you with me. Freely shared among the members of God's family. So that's, that's just a quick definition, as you were. Key concept, share. I'm sharing something with you. Number two, Roman numeral two, the forms of authentic fellowship. Well, what's the form take? Now, when I say I share, that means somebody is sharing and somebody is receiving. So those are the two forms. One, we can give. Number two, we can receive. Again, I just want to be basic. I, I mean, we could do a whole series on this whole idea of fellowship, but it would be only a couple of weeks long. But I really want you to get this. God made it. See, you know, we always say the body. We're the body of Christ. We're the local body of Christ. We're the universal body of Christ. We, you know, and when you think of a body, you need each other, right? That's a, that's the, when, when you think body, what do you think of? Dependence, interdependence. I'm dependent on you. I'm interdependent on you. I, I'm giving something to the body. You're giving something to the body. We're all giving something to the body. It's just like I think of my little pinky. You know, I really don't need it that much. Just give me a pair of scissors and I'll cut it off. No, no, no. I need it. <laughs> I need it. It doesn't do much. Well, let me see. What would I be like this? You know, I have a brother-in-law who lost these two fingers. 
Oh, he can function, but not as, not as well with that one hand as when he had those other two fingers. See, we're, we're in need. So the forms of authentic fellowship are this. We can give or we can receive. We can give and share something with someone else. That's with you. Or we can share in something with someone else. We receive from them. You know, like we can give advice, we can give encouragement, exhortation, we can show our love. We can give money. Sometimes that giving is in the form of confession of failure. Now think about that. Why would, why would that encourage someone? <laughs> when you hear that I'm a sinner, saved by grace, still failing, still struggling, but it being an overcomer. Why does that encourage you? Oh, he's normal. <laughs> oh, I can identify with him. See, sometimes it's even confession of failure or, or a statement of need or me sharing my spiritual gift and you sharing your spiritual gift and the body is built up. But, but notice the other side of this. It's a giving, but there's also a receiving. We can share in, in something with someone else. Receiving what they have done as far as their spiritual gift. Um, sometimes when we receive, it's like sorrow or joy. In other words... Someone is sharing and we are receiving in the sense of hearing your joy or your sorrow or your story or what you do as far as for the body of Christ. Um, By the way, sometimes it's hard to do that second one. Some of us are givers, but it's hard to receive. You ever find that? You know, someone comes up to you and says, oh, thank you for using your spiritual gift. And sometimes we get, oh, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, yeah. It's almost like we're uncomfortable. Well, that shows pride if I'm thankful for what God is doing through me. No. I think it's, I think it's proud not to be able to receive a compliment. Right? So sometimes, or sometimes we're in great need, maybe financially or, or maybe uh, because of a child we need to have some help with our child care. And, well, I just couldn't bother anybody. Wait, 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 do we believe we're a body? Do we believe that we are givers and receivers and it's a two-way street? Do I believe this as a teacher that I both teach but also receive from my teaching? I think of times I'm in home group or, or a small men's group or talking to a believer and I'm getting built up as much by me teaching and listening to their response as they are. You know what I'm saying? It's a two-way street. It's a give and take. I liked how one man wrote, he said this, Um, speaking of fellowship, he said, Christian fellowship is mutual sharing at the most intimate level in all areas of life as a result of the transforming work of God in the the life of an individual. Now, this word uh, word koinonia was also in secular. Uh, This this word in secular usually had to do with uh, uh, joint ownership of a business. That's how they would use the word koinonia. This man uh, continued to write, he said, The New Testament writers infused the term with religious overtones to describe all the spiritual rights and privileges that belong to the individual Christian by virtue of their identity in Christ. Everything that belongs to Christ, he willingly imparts and shares with his fellow followers. See, that's what Christ has done for us. He's imparted and shares with us all that, all, all that he has as far as because we are adopted children into his family. A Christian shares in Christ's suffering, Philippians 3. He shares in his death, Romans 6. He de- uh, shares in his resurrection from the dead, Romans 6, 5. He shares, we share with Christ in, in our inheritance, 
in His future reign and glory. Every Christian shares a common spiritual foundation with every other Christian. That's what makes Christianity so unique. We're not on this pedestal. I'm in the family. You're in the family. Why? Because of Christ. In fact, every time we do communion, that's what we're confessing. Hey, we're not standing here on my own righteousness. We are standing here on Christ. Fellow brothers, fellow sisters, it doesn't matter if you made $10,000 a year and you're a man, or if you make a million and a half and you're a, 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 man, or a female. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter what race you're from, although I understand we're only from one race. But just for, the point is, is we're all together. Neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, right? We're all one in Christ. That's what we're confessing. But he goes on and says this, when the book of Acts says that the early believers were devoted to fellowship, it means that they mutually shared their lives with each other because of their common relationship to Jesus Christ as their Savior and God as their Father. In the same way, all Christians today are called to have fellowship with other Christians, to share their lives with others. And he ends by this, neglecting fellowship with other Christians is not only disobedient, but it will stunt spiritual development. I want you to catch that last part. It will stunt your spiritual development. I have to have interaction with you. By the way, that's the downside to TV church. You know, the guy's there, he's done, oh, isn't it great? And you have all these shots, you know, and the world is on the backside, you know, it's spinning or some crazy. You know what? Take a small group of believers, put them together, and they will grow quicker than any TV church. By the way, some of those are heretics. But the point is, is this. The point is this. You need each other. TV church can never replace fellowship. We need each other. Absolutely critical. Now, that's what started hitting me this week. How much I really need you. Oh, now I'm starting to understand. See, I did all these things, thankfully, just because I'm the pastor and my wife and we would go to home group and men's prayer and all these meetings and just interacting and I guess that was what I was expected to do anyways but now I'm realizing in hindsight after 20 some years that's exactly what I needed to do even if I wasn't the pastor I have to be with you I have to connect with you I desperately need you it's by God's design he doesn't have any children out there that basically says this receive Jesus got it going to do my own thing, island to myself. No such thing. In fact, that person is either immensely immature, disobedient, or not saved at all. Right? That's only the options because fellowship was one of the main components of the early church. So the forms are either giving or receiving. Let's look at the third, the dimensions of the authentic fellowship. The dimensions get a little deeper into this. Why Why does God call us to fellowship? Well, because God Himself is a fellowshipping God. God Himself is in fellowship with Himself. Now, that's, Why? Because there's three persons of the Godhead. One essence, three persons. God the... What? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons. The triune God has perfect fellowship with the other persons of the Trinity. The nature of their relationship is personal, intimate, it's communion. By the way, that happened before earth was ever created. In eternity past, the three persons of the Godhead had perfect fellowship. By the way, the earth was not created. We were not created. We were not saved 
because he needed us. <laughs> no, no. We were saved because of his, his uh, great love and great patience and great mercy. He didn't need us. He had perfect fellowship within the Godhead. The Father with the Holy Spirit and the Son. The Son with the Father and the Spirit. And the Spirit with the Father and the Son. And perfect. But you start getting something. Okay, wait a second. But God is a fellowshipping God. You know, John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, by the way, in the beginning what was, i.e., before creation, in the beginning was the Word. Who's that? Jesus Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, so Jesus Christ was God, is God. But that little, little Word, and the Word was with God. One uh, scholar said this about that word with. The Greek word with in that verse can literally be translated as toward. Okay, it can be translated as toward. Like looking at a person. Like I'm looking at my wife. Now what does that have, what does that have anything to do with anything? Being face to face. What is it referring to? That Jesus Christ in the, in the beginning of time, not beginning, before time, well, before time, before time on this earth, from eternity past, was face to face with the Father, even before creation. And being face to face with someone spoke of this, equality, communion, and the most intimate kind of fellowship with that other person. So when it says, and the word, speaking of Christ, was with God, he's saying face to face, intimate communion with the Father. Our God is a, is, a, is a fellowshipping God, a communing God. This is the nature of, of our God. Now, the Bible says this, that when God made Adam and Eve, remember Adam and then you know, went through the whole process and it's good, it's good, day after day after day. Then finally they made, he, he made the woman from the man and said what? It is very good. It is very good. Even marriage itself speaks of fellowship and intimacy. But there's imperfections. But now he has a, a body of believers who have been, you know, have received Christ as their Savior and been forgiven. And we are called to fellowship. By the way, the idea of marriage was just an illustration. Even the greater fulfillment can be done among Christians in this sense. It's on a spiritual level. People get married and they're, maybe they're not both saved. Or maybe one of them saved and the other one isn't. They don't have that element of intimacy spiritually. But when it comes to believers, there's that further element of spiritual communing with each other communing with the father so again we have the the fellowship in the godhead and then actually the the next element is vertical we have fellowship with god himself if you go to first john 1 3 we have we see vertical fellowship between us and god First uh, John 1 John 1.3 says this, that, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also, you know, John's talking to a group and he's saying, you also may have fellowship with us. Now again, that's fellowship with us is the horizontal. Let's finish the verse out. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So again, through the sacrifice of Christ... God has been able to forgive our sins, 
has declared us righteous, has given us Christ's righteousness. Therefore, we have been able to be brought into God's family. And as such, we can have fellowship with Him. And as we have fellowship with Him, we can have fellowship with each other. It completes it. By the way, if we don't have fellowship with Him, we can't have fellowship with each other. That's where the problem with Christianity comes in many times. People, you know, you watch them and you say, man, they just seem to always be ornery. They just never seem to really be connecting. Maybe they're believers, but you know what? If they don't have fellowship with God, they're not going to have fellowship with each other. You've got to have fellowship with God first before we can have fellowship with each other. So we have vertical fellowship with God. In fact, verse 6 says this, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We've got to have fellowship with Him. And to do that means that we're walking in the light, the light of God's Word. In fact, let me make sure you, you understand this. When we come before the table, make sure you're walking in the light. Start asking yourself right now, is everything before God and myself taken care of? That's the first big, am I walking in the light? Because I do not want to come before the table in an unworthy manner. Second question will be this. If I'm walking in the light with him, is there anybody out there that, I need, that I'm not walking in the light with and fellowship with? How's my horizontal fellowship? Are there Christians who have been upset with me that have sinned against me and I haven't, or I've sinned against them and I haven't gone and confessed and I haven't sought to make things right? Because again, we want to walk in the light. So the dimensions of authentic fellowship are twofold. Actually, I gave you three. One is fellowship with God. That's kind of like the foundation. But because of the fellowship with God, He has made us social beings. He has made us beings who need each other. We need fellowship with Him. That's vertical. And then, obviously, the next one is horizontal. We need fellowship with each other. First uh, John one seven says, But if we walk in the light... Now again, we walk in the light. As He is in the light... We have fellowship with one another. If we walk in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. Sometimes you're trying to have fellowship with one another before we're walking in the light, having fellowship with Him. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Oh, aren't you glad that's in there? Son of Christ, uh, Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Continually cleanses us. Why? Because we continually sin. <laughs> We let selfishness and pride and arrogance and bitterness, we let lust and anger and, and uh, maybe even hate into our lives and we need the cleansing of Christ. And as He cleanses us, we have fellowship with the Father and the Godhead and we have fellowship with one another. I, I left in your, uh, I think in your outline, uh, by the way, I'm not sure what I left in your outline because this message was not done on Friday afternoon, or Thursday afternoon. See, what happened this week was Chris was going to be gone on Friday, so that backed me up one day. And then we've been working on this floor out here, and there's a, the, uh, the chemical is called xylene, which is really a heavy solvent, and you need to have a respirator. Well, let me tell you, on Thursday afternoon about, oh, just before afternoon, 11 o'clock, I could tell Chris was really suffering. And so we tried to get her out the door, and I don't even know what's in the outline, to be honest with you. I was just taking a few things and just get it out, and let's get her out of here. And you probably just said, why don't you just let her go? I guess I, I don't know, she just kept wanting to get stay, you know, to finish the outline. But the point is, is 
It should be under B, horizontal fellowship, number one. Fellowship is first the sharing with our fellow believers the things that God has made known to us about Himself. You know, I I mentioned what are some things on fellowship. And when I mean sharing, the most intimate of those things about sharing is, this is what God has been doing in my life. These are the things I'm understanding about God. Let me share these with you so that it can build you up as well. That's like pay dirt fellowship right there. When we're talking about fellowship, it's not just maybe even saying a kind word, though that's part of it. But when you get right down and say, listen, let me tell you about my God. And I mean to another Christian. I mean, you can say that to an unbeliever, that's evangelism. But when you're talking about fellowship, you're talking about another believer who's saying, you know what, I see where you're at, and let me tell you how God has been working in my life. And you're doing it because there's a, you know, you're connecting with that other person around who God is, what has God done, especially specifically for you. See, that's what, he's, that's what John's meaning in 1 John 1, 3 when he says, you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father. Let me tell you who he is. By the way, that happens in, in really uh, different ways. I was talking to Bob and Carol before this service. It, it actually happened, then afterwards I realized um, what was happening. I was talking about my new grandchild. All right, what's that? The name is Tim... Tamira May. Okay. Yeah, it's not simple. Okay. <laughs> okay. But the point is, is this. Yeah, it's going to be really hard when I have to say, Venora, Lavira, Tamira. Yeah. Hey, number one. Come here. Um, but anyways, we were talking, and, and, and somehow the conversation went from Tamira to how Lavira looks like my father when he was young. Really, I mean, if you look at Lavira at one and my dad at one, you know, other than male and female, they look exactly alike. Same face, same ears, same everything. And um, and so we were talking about that. And then she was, uh, Carol was saying, yeah, and, and I have this, and then another illustration, and, and all these, and, and, and where did it go? I said, you know, it's, it's amazing how our God, how creative he is and the gene pool, and passing on the gene pool, and great is our God. And to be honest with you, after I got done talking with him, I felt like I had been in a worship service. It was like, yeah, you know, I just thought, man, our God is so great. Why? In many respects. We just talked about uh, how the birth of a child, and it was drawn right back to who God is, and his creation, right? And how he works through individuals, and it was another uh, two Christians who I walked away. Like I said, I, I felt like I was in a praise session. Now, some would just share about their grandkids. But again, I hope that as we share with each other, we're always sharing and is being drawn back to God. And it, what does that do for us? It strengthens our soul, strengthens our spirit. Uh, hopefully it's a two-way street. So we share with fellow believers. Number two, fellowship is secondly a seeking to share in what God has made known of himself to someone else. See, there was this back and forth. You, you, uh, you, ta- uh, you, you give and you receive. So you have both sides. In fact, Romans chapter 1, you, just, you don't have to turn there, but Romans 1 verse 11 says this. For, this is Paul speaking to the Romans. Now, now notice what he's saying here. Because he's actually mentioning both of these different uh, dimensions, both of giving 
and receiving. He says this in Romans 1.11, For I long to see you, this is Paul to the Romans, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. I want to give. But, so that he wouldn't be misunderstood. Well, no, let me read the second part. So that you may be established, so that you might be strengthened. Paul said, man, I want to see you to give you, so, to use my spiritual gift to build you up so that you would be established, so that you might be strengthened. But so that he wouldn't appear proud, like it's always a one-way street. He says this, verse 12. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. You see what he's saying? I want to establish you, but now that when I'm with you, you're going to establish me. I'm going to give, but I'm also going to receive. I'm going to build you up, and you're going to build me up. That's what fellowship is. That's what we should be looking for in a church. That as we get together, we would ask God, please help me to draw people to you. I like uh, one final thought on this author. Uh, he says this, Fellowship entails giving and uh, uh, give-and-take relationship. It requires, requires mutual commitment and accountability with others. It means walking through life together with other saints. It means cultivating deep, transparent spiritual friendships with other believers. By the way, sometimes that's hard. Deep, transparent relationships with others. Oh man, you don't know how I've been hurt. Yeah, that's the problem with deep relationships. You get deep with someone and they hurt you. And at that moment you have to decide, are you in it for yourself or for others? Is it because God wants you to do it or is it just because when it feels good? See, people have given up on people because they've been hurt. Don't give up on people. God hasn't. True Christian fellowship is interdependent, living on the spirit on the spiritual plane. Fellowship means being a regular, functional, contributing part of the local church community. The first com- Christians invested in fellowship in many ways, and he named some. This is how he, they did fellowship, studying the Bible together. Isn't that great? I love studying because I always get a blessing of what other people are thinking. Oh, yeah, I never thought of it that way. Oh, I see how it applies to your life. Oh, I see how it applies to my life. Praying with and for other believers. That's part of fellowship. Talking about spiritual things with each other. Confessing sins to other believers. Celebrating the Lord's Supper with other saints. Observing baptism together. Worshiping God with the people of God. Singing praises to God with other Christians. Weeping with those who weep. Rejoicing with those who rejoice. Interacting with other Christian families. Helping each other as needs would arise. Sharing a meal together and on and on it goes. Now the world says this. It's all about you. (laughs) Very selfish. Uh, God's family says, no, it's really me seeking to serve you, right? It's selfless. So we don't want to buy into the world's concept. The world says it's me-centered. The Bible would say it's other-oriented, other-centered. No, we need each other. See, this is what I was thinking about. How, again, I've gone to home groups and men's prayer. And, you know, men's prayer at 6.30 in the morning, I have to get up and 7, and then I go pick up Eric. And to be honest with you, when it's January and it's cold, and I sometimes even have to plow the driveway beforehand, I'm like, oh, I'd just like to sleep in. And I go, you know, and I always put on a smile, and hi, Dale, how are you doing? It's great to be here. <clears throat> I'll tell you what, there isn't a week that goes by that after I've been in prayer with those guys that I'm like, yes! It's good to have been there. Now, sometimes it was hard. 
But yes, it was good to be there. Same thing with home group, 6.30, you know, I've had a long week. It's by Wednesday and, you know, and the, and the Phelps family show up and the Guthrie family show up and the Norris family show up and the Roberts family and, and sometimes I drag my own family and, you know, it's just tiring. And, and then we have a, a devotional and we pray together and I'm sure I'm missing some other families, Stern's families, okay. <laughs> I should never mention families because I forget somebody, right. But you'll love me anyways. But anyways, the point is this, I leave... Yeah, whoo, I just got thrown something. No, um, <laughs> the point is, is this. I walk away saying, man, it was good to be together. And, and, I, and I always kind of, you know, oh, I, I guess it's just, you know, no, no, really, why? Now I actually know, I mean, now this sounds simple to you, but I now know why. Because fellowship happened. All these years, I just was doing it. I had to do it, I guess. I felt like I had to. Not only a pastor, but I'm a Christian. I know I should get together. Now I understand why I always had that, oh, yes, because I was with other Christians. And I need you. So let me finish up some thoughts. Number, truth number one, Christian fellowship is motivated by both love and humility. What do you mean? It arises, it arises from a desire to bring benefit to others coupled with a sense of personal weakness and need. Love and humility. I need you, but I also want to serve you. Truth number two, Christian fellowship is not an end in itself. J.I. Packer wrote this, Fellowship with God, then, is the source from which fellowship among Christians springs. It's the source. Now, does that make sense? You fellowship with God, you're going to fellowship with each other? That makes sense. But then he goes on and says this, and fellowship with God is the end to which Christian fellowship is a means. He says this, fellowship with God is is not only the starting point, but it's also the end. And Christian fellowship is in the middle. We fellowship with God, therefore we fellowship with Christians. But as we fellowship with Christians, our fellowship with God becomes stronger. Fellowship with God is the beginning and the end. We should not think of our fellowship with other Christians as a spiritual luxury, an optional addition to the exercises of private devotions. We should recognize rather that such fellowship is a spiritual necessity. For God has made us in such that way that our fellowship with himself is fed by our fellowship with fellow Christians and requires to be so fed constantly for it's our own deepening and enrichment. All right, all to say this. We fellowship with God, we fellowship with each other. As we're fellowshipping with each other, or with each other, we're also deepening our fellowship with God. I want fellowship with you. For some Christians, God would, if, if he was right here with a, you know, visibly, he would say this, then go see your family. But I want fellowship with you so bad, God. I go see your brothers and sisters then. Stop ignoring them. They're part of my family. Okay. In fact, in Hebrews 10, look it up, Hebrews 10, verse 24. When the faith of Hebrew Christians was deteriorating and declining, the writer of Hebrews said this, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. The author said, listen, go be with other believers. That will strengthen your faith. That's how you're going to flourish. You need each other. 
Well, I think I better stop there just for time. We need to get to the communion. By the way, just let me say this last couple things. <laughs> oh, is it another last couple things? <laughs> Let's say it this way. There are a lot of obstacles to fellowship. Self-sufficiency, I really don't need you. By the way, immaturity, unwillingness to share our common life, that's selfishness, pride. God, what, does for the proud? God resists the proud. I really don't need you, that's pride, that's proud. You know, another obstacle to fellowship is formality, formalism. Well, this is communion. This is partnership. I don't need you. This is, that's kind of formalism, I guess you'd call it. Liturgy. You know what another big one against fellowship is? Bitterness. I've been hurt. I've been cut deeply emotionally by others. I don't want to connect. I don't want to take the potential risk of being hurt again. Bitterness a root of bitterness because I've been ill-treated or betrayed. I'm jealous. I'm resentful of what other ha- others have. And that can really hurt fellowship. Now, I say that because we're coming together right here saying, you know what, Lord, I'm fellowshipping with you. And as such, I'm also fellowshipping with you. And I am confessing. And that's what means to, to come in a worthy manner. It doesn't mean just that I'm okay between my relationship with him. It means I'm okay and I'm walking right as far as my relationship with you. But if you have bitterness and anger and hatred in your heart, I, I say this, do not take communion. Or do this, Lord, I confess it. And Lord, I want you to change my heart. And Lord, if there's someone I've offended, I will go to that person. I will make it right. I want to take it saying, Lord, whatever you have to do in my life, I will do it. But I want to partake in communion in a worthy manner. And finally, the last obstacle could be elitism. Elitism. See, cliques sometimes devastate fellowship. By the way, sometimes between churches. Oh, they're part of that association. You don't want to go there. And we write off whole groups of people because of what they believe, even because it's not exactly what we believe. Sometimes we even get into secondary um, disassociation or how do you call that? Separation, I guess. You know, oh, they hang with so-and-so who believes this. I don't want to have anything to do with that group. We've tried to reach out to certain churches and they have nothing to do with us. Why? Well, because you have elders. Really? We're going to be together in heaven. You know, I, I, it's sad when minor beliefs hold us off from fellowship. Isn't that sad? Let me say one thing about this. I don't agree with the charismatic movement. And I know some of you come from charismatic movement. Maybe some of you would consider yourself charismatic right now. This is actually a compliment. And I don't agree with their stance on tongues, Okay. But I'll say this, I've watched the charismatic movement and, and I, one thing they have right is fellowship. They love each other. They care about each other. By the way, that's why I've, I'm actually excited when, I, when someone comes here from that background because in, in my mind I always think this way. Well, we may not agree with everything, but I know one thing, they know how to care for each other. They know how to love each other. They know how to interconnect and I think they've really been hit with that. 
So again, but elitism. Oh yeah, I can only fellowship with you if you agree with every little jot and tittle in my theology. If not, I don't want anything to do with you. Isn't that sad? I hope that's not how you are. Both with other churches and Christians and movement. The point is, is this. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are one of my sisters or brothers, and I want to love you. I want to give to you and receive from you because that's how God made it because we're part of a family. And we need to stick together in this world that hates believers. So when we come together, that's what we're confessing. Lord, I'm walking in the light. Lord, I'm walking with your, your uh, sons and daughters. And therefore, I can partake in a worthy manner. Let's bow our heads in prayer. And I would ask that you would evaluate your life. Ask God to search you and to know you and to reveal to you if there's an area in your life that needs changing. And confess that so that you might partake in a worthy manner. And ushers, if you would come forward.